more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. You guys are sort of all over the world, it seems like. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Here on Inspiration Dissemination. But there's actually photographs of this data set stretching over a much longer period of time. They're now converted into basically mathematical shapes, and we can now analyze the statistics of this shape. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. You're tuned in to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Lisa Hildebrand. And I'm Grace Dietzler. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blogs at blog.oregonstate.edu inspiration, where you can find out all about our upcoming and upcoming guests and links to our Twitter and podcast pages. Inspiration Dissemination is recorded live, and today we are lucky to be joined by Maria Jose Romero Jimenez from the Department of Botany and Plant Pathology. Hi, Majo. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Happy to have you. Um, All right, so believe it or not, listeners, but plants can get rust on them. It's obviously not the same kind of rust as you get on metal, but um, it's a pathogen that can infest um, the plants, uh, the leaves of plants, but it is also orange in color. Mm-hmm. So, and, and rust is part of, of Maho's research. So Maho, first of all, like tell us a little bit more about plant rust. Okay. So plant rust, as you said, is a pathogen. In some cases it's caused, or I would say most of the cases is caused by a fungus, um, I specifically work with one that is called Melanspora colombiana. Um, and usually what it does is that it infects leaves, produces a bunch of spores, and by doing so, it reduces the amount of area that the plant can use to photosynthesize. Which, obviously, photosynthesis, for those of you who've maybe forgotten your high school biology, which is fine, <laughs> it, you know, that is what plants need to create food and grow. Yeah. Yeah, right. So by not having a way to produce their own food, they, you know, it's not not good for them. Right. (laughs) Um, But I remember you saying in our pre-interview that it's not um, like an immediate death almost to the plant, right? It can go on for like long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as time goes by, like it might just have a little bit rust for one season, but next season, since I already had it, that past one, it, it just get it just increases with time, and it's very difficult to control or just to completely remove it from a plant once it already has it. And um, so rust can affect a number of different plants, but you're looking at one plant in particular for yes. your PhD research, right? Yes. Which is the black cottonwood. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so black cottonwood, it's very um, you can find it in the Pacific Northwest. And it's been used for medicinal purposes by Native Americans. Um, it also has a important use in the paper industry. And lately, the Department of Energy kind of like listed it as a plant of interest for biofuel production. 
So it sounds like it's a pretty important plant to protect and yeah. to figure out yeah. how to. So, so one thing that I found really interesting in our pre-interview is this is a fungal pathogen. And yes. you are exploring ways to use another fungus yes. to kind of combat it. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so the types of fungi that we're using is not like the ones that you would commonly find on the forest, like um, Amanitis or Belitis. So um, not like a mushroom. Then. Yes, yeah. not a mushroom. Um, you, the, the ones that I'm using are yeast. So the ones that we use to prepare pizza or bread <laughs> or beer. <laughs> so um, unlike mushrooms, we cannot see yeast with our naked eye. We need a microscope. And, I, yeah. I like that. It's kind of like fungi versus fungi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sorry, I think I also kind of cut you off there. Where you were going to add something. About- uh, that they grow as um, unique cells. Right. They're like almost unicellular yeah, or like right. one one tiny cell yep. um which you which you look at under the microscope mm-hmm. okay so so plants potentially or is this confirmed that they use that yeast can help kind of help them battle the rust yeah so there've been studies of different types of yeast helping plants survive different types of pathogens um and i specifically study yeast against that pathogen so and these are are these yeasts that are found naturally on the leaves just part of their i guess leaf microbiome yeah yeah so at least so far the the yeast that we're using in the experiments are yeast that we isolated and collected from um poplar plants um that we found like in the wild (laughs) quote unquote yeah (laughs) like we we collected leaves from the um park downtown Corvallis. So. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. It's the wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're collecting yeast and samples from, yeah, from the field, quote unquote, rather than um, like lab grown right. strains necessarily. Yeah. And um, your your research has like very distinct phases throughout the year, right? So um, it all starts, um, well, I guess it starts with you first, ha- you the first thing you had to do when you when you started about a year and a half ago at OSU, uh-huh. middle of the pandemic, <laughs> um, was to acquire leaves of black cottonwood plants to scrape off this yeast, right? That was step one. Yeah. Um, and um, then you needed to cultivate or grow. What's the word for yeast? I don't even know. I'm not a lab yeah, person. Yeah, <laughs> so we isolated the, the yeast from those leaves and then keep them alive on cultures. And you found a bunch of colonies, right? Yes. Yes. So um, from that effort in 2020, we isolated around 400 yeast colonies. Colonies, yeah. Yeah, that's that's Mm -hmm. a lot. (laughs) Obviously, you can't test all 400, right? That would that would be an insane experiment that could go on forever. So how did you narrow it down and what did you narrow it down to? Um, So we kind of narrowed them down by initially how they looked. So yeast that looks similar, we were like, okay, this is going to be the representative yeast that we're going to use for uh, this shape of colonies, this color of colonies. And then we identified based on their DNA. Mm -hmm. And then once we had different types of yeast, we're like, okay, we're going to use yeast that are genetically different from each other. With the goal of like getting different orders or different genuses to see if different yeast orders can do different things or yes. help plants in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like seeing, um, does it matter like the identity of those yeast, um, and how similar are they? Yeah. 
how similar are they to each other? And so you ultimately narrowed it down to seven yes. to do your experiments uh, last year. So what does what does an experiment look like? Um, it kind of like starts with collecting cuttings, or at least the greenhouse experiments start with collecting cuttings around this time of the year. Um, in a couple of weeks, maybe a month away, we start um, potting those cuttings, letting them grow for about two months, and then actually making like liquid solutions um, of the different yeast that we want to use and then kind of like spray them on the plants, let them rest for a couple of weeks, and then we add the rust in order for them to kind of like fight off and, you know, <laughs> let them interact. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after that, we let them, you know, we let them do their thing and then we collect leaves and see how good those yeast were or not fighting so, the yeast, the rust. So what you're looking for is um, like an elimination or a reduction of the surface area of the rust or what yeah. are you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, basically that, how... and. One thing I think I forgot to ask when we last spoke is mm-hmm. what is what is um what is going on? Like how are the yeast fighting the the rust? Um or we do don't think? know. <laughs> I um, guess that's the big question. Here. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. It could be competition that mm-hmm. they're fighting for the same resources. Um but just from the design of the experiment that's not something that we can tell. Mm. Um but then if they're not like fighting it for the same resources, they might like be fighting chemically with each other. Oh. Mm. Yeah, um, a lot of yeast can produce like antibacterial mm-hmm. and antifungals, right? Yep. Okay. Wow. So, um, as you said, you you selected seven different yeast types to kind of test this, but obviously, there's also like different combinations of yeast you could possibly test, right? Yes. Um, and so what, you know, how many treatments did you have in this first round of greenhouse experiments? Or did uh, you just test them on their own? Both. Ah. <laughs> uh, so um, the main experiment was kind of like using different um, number of yeast per community. So we had some communities of yeast that had only two yeast, but then we had that up to six yeast per community. Um, and we tested that. But that only tells us kind of like how well the community does. It doesn't tell us anything about the individual yeast by itself. Mm. So in addition to that, we did individual yeast experiments versus the rest. And obviously, as with any scientific lab experiment, I'm guessing you also had controls, right? Yeah. Plants that you got, you know, that you didn't spray with any yeast, you didn't spray with any rust, but just natural ones. Because obviously you said that you collect these, um, these... Clippings? Was it clippings? Is that the word for the cuttings? (laughs) Um, You collect the cuttings from nature, so it's Mm -hmm. also quite possible that those control plants maybe have Mm -hmm. yeast, natural occurring yeast on them already? Yep. Okay. But this is something that that, um, I was curious about. Could... Like, how does rust travel? Like, do you keep the control plants separate from the plants that you spray with... Like, is it airborne or... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, since the controls, the only difference is that they do not have any yeast. Mm-hmm. So when we are inoculating um, each one of the plants with the yeast or the community of yeast, we kind of like take them apart to a different space mm. and then put them back um, with the rest of the plants. 
being careful enough that the controls are not contaminated. Mm -hmm. And we kind of do that by putting trash bags on top of the plants. (laughs) Um, It it has a double purpose. It kind of helps like the plant to take in well the yeast. And Mm. then that way, by moving the plants, there's no touching between the leaves Mm. since they're fairly close Mm. to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And after like we inoculate them with the yeast, we put the rust in all of them. So even the control is inoculated with the oh, rust. Oh, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. It's controlled for not having been added yeast added to. to yeast, yeah. yeah, gotcha, yeah. Mm-hmm. gotcha. So, so after you know we have this battle of the fun, the fungi, <laughs> um, and you've waited two weeks for them to do that. How do you then test if it worked? Like, how do you how do you explore that? Yeah, um, so we scan the leaves. So for <laughs> <laughs> so um, for each. Leaf, well, for each plant, we collect around three leaves, and then we have um, a hand scanner. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, when you for, when in our pre-interview, when you first said scan, I think Grace and I were like, what? With like a normal scanner? How does that work? <laughs> it's, it's a regular scanner. It's just not, you know, with a printer. But with a scanner, we basically um, get an image of each one of the leaves. Mm-hmm. And then through several... Um, different pipelines uh, in a program, we get to be able to tell apart, or the program tells us um, what is background from what it's leaf and from what it's rust. Mm. So, so that way we can calculate the amount of rust per leaf. Gotcha. So I'm imagining like a like a scanner like they have at the grocery store. They scan your groceries, kind of like a like hand scanner. Scanning yeah, all the I, leaves. I think so. Okay. I, yeah, it's a normal scanner is just that. It's portable. And then it tells you how much rust is on your plants. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> After analysis of many images. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then it, it gives you like um, what you have at the end is like a percentage of surface area that has been or has not been affected by yeah, rust. Right. Okay. Okay. And you've done, you did one round of this already last summer, right? Yes. And you've evaluated the results of that first greenhouse experiment. Yes. And what did you find? <laughs> um, from the individual experiments or like the individual yeast versus the rust, we found that there are a couple of yeasts that are good at reducing the amount of rust, um, which is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then when we did the or checked the results of the communities, we were expecting or the, um, ecological theory kind of tells us that the greater amount of members in a community, the better it is for, in this case, the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But we didn't found that. We found that. Um, more yeast in a community does not result in more protection. Interesting. Yeah. As someone who does ecology every day, when you told me that, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, how? (laughs) And what's your kind of like theories or hypothesis? Do you have any about like maybe why it it didn't, like a a more diverse community didn't lead to like greater rust defense? Um, There could be several reasons right now. Um, based on the results that we got, it seems that there are a couple of yeasts that are good protectors against the rust and some that are kind of weak. So it might not be um, something about numbers. It's just about who are those yeasts and the membership of those yeasts. Mm. Mm. And I remember you saying something that in, in the design of the experiment that you ran, you obviously that question of like why some are better than others or mm-hmm. why they didn't work well together wasn't something you could address in this experiment. Right. 
but is something you're maybe hoping to do for the next round or yeah yeah so this summer hopefully we'll be able to have enough rust and the yeast will grow enough um, where we will do kind of like a yeast add-on experiment mm. so we will kind of like have the yeast by itself then with another yeast to see how well they work together and then with another one um, and hopefully that will tell us how good of a silver bullet is one yeast by itself or does it mm, does a better job when it's like um, with other yeast where they can collaborate together. Mm. I like that idea of collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm realizing is that we we asked you a lot about like how you culture the yeast, but never how you culture the rust. Like how do you make sure you have enough rust to spray on all the plants? Um, so since it's a rust, um, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to grow it on Petri dishes. Mm. Um, they, like we have to take plants and then just like put a bunch of rust of them and from a sick plant we take the spores to be able to put them on the plants that we need for our experiments okay so you you're actively then looking for sick plants from nature like when Uh, you first started your experiments that's you um not from nature we kind of like have the some cuttings that we collected last year they were like the increased plants so we would make those plants sick on purpose um, to get the rest from them gotcha. for the big experiments. Gotcha. Okay, so you don't grow the rest or cultivate the rest yourselves. You just get the spores from sick plants. plants that are yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't gotcha. think we ever asked that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> so you, I'm switching gears a little bit here. It's okay. Um, to talk kind of about you and, and how you got into this. You told us you didn't think you would ever end up studying fungi, but, <laughs> but here you are. So tell us kind of the story about how you how you got to studying this in this point. Um, so I was in my, um, when I when I was in, I think I told you this, um, when I was in my, let's say, sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Slightly different in Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to study biotech engineering. Um, and the only university that has that, there's only one university that has that program. So I was like, okay, I don't have really an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, I got in and started the program. <laughs> um, and after a couple of terms, I was like, no, I don't like plants <laughs> because it was it was heavily like cited on plants like plant anatomy, plant physiology, plants, plants, plants. And it wasn't like I, I now I'm studying plants um, from a fungal perspective, but um, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, and I was like, OK, I, I, I might switch careers to graphic design and I signed up to um, make the test again for a different university. Mm. But that term, I was taking like an agriculture class and the professor that taught that class, he's like, we would go to the field and be like, oh, look like this this bean plant has like all of these pathogens, like Mm. this fungus, this fungus, this bacteria. But then he would also tell us how other fungi and bacteria would kill those ones. And Mm. I was like, okay. Um, And I like that. (laughs) So um, after that class ended, I asked him if he had like a position in his lab for me to work. And initially he said no, but he's like, you can like apply for this institutional grant 
and mm. see how it goes. I started writing the grant, but I never finished it because I just started to go to the lab and start working with the fungi. And, <laughs> and lab work got in the way. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> yes, I just got d- distracted with trichoderma. Yeah, but that's an amazing, amazing story. Like yeah. if you hadn't taken that class and you had gone on to graphic design or or not, but yeah, you found your way back to plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I guess this is for. For anyone who thinks that they like loved something or were interested in it, but then hated it, you may find your way back to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not the end of the road necessarily. So that was for your undergraduate, your bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so then um, I guess you you were working in this lab and you loved it and were looking for something to do for your honors thesis. Yes. But there wasn't quite something in, in, in that professor's lab or you were looking to kind of branch out and do something else? Um, I really wasn't thinking about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the professor was like, well, you have to do your honors thesis soon. Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, I just want to work on fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, um, I know a person in the States that is also Costa Rican that's been part of the program that and works with fungi that <laughs> you might be interested to you know reach out and i was like sure um so he put me in contact with andrea porras alfaro um at western illinois university and yeah like we got in contact and a couple of months later i was flying to illinois wow, <laughs> wow. yeah that for an honors thesis i think that's pretty yeah. wild yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like went nowhere for my honors thesis <laughs> i think it's very common for that program though oh okay mm-hmm. to like s- yeah. find other other researchers mm-hmm. especially in the states or not necessarily not necessarily okay. that's super surprising a lot okay. of people go to europe oh okay uh, mm-hmm. okay um, okay, so you get to Andrea's lab in Western Illinois, very mm-hmm. different, I'm, uh, I'm assuming, from Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you you really, like, have a good relationship there, and you really like the lab and the work that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, tell, tell us a little bit first about the work that you did for the honors thesis. Um, for the honors thesis, I was giving a group of fungi called Arxidia, and it's kind of like, or at that time, it was kind of like cryptic. Because not a lot is known about that genera fungi. So it's kind of like, well, see what it is. Like, look <laughs> at its DNA. Look at, you know, how it grows, where it grows, and what is, like, its function. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my honors thesis, most of my work was kind of like a start with the DNA exploration and some of the morphology exploration. But it fo- focused mostly on optimizing a protocol um, for, yeah, to see how that fungus mm. impacts the growth of grasses. Mm. Mm. And was that your first foray into, like, DNA research, or had you done some of that back in Costa Rica? Um, I did some PCRs and DNA extractions, mm-hmm. like, for the labs, but it was just, like, a one-thing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but So I was really intimidated when mm-hmm. when I... <laughs> when I kind of started because I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she's like, it's fine. Like, I don't expect you to know that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's, um, that's what you're here to learn. Yeah. 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 And she's like, Terry will teach it, teach you. And she did. So, <laughs> yep. But I guess it's like the, the DNA component or the genetics component is something that's followed you until now into your PhD research, yep. right? Yep. And I think that will forever. <laughs> yep. In a good way. Yeah. 
yeah it's just there's so much stuff changing mm, with yeah. genetics and like now it's not just like different genes now it's genomes so yeah, right it can be a little bit overwhelming grace grace knows how you feel I bet. oh yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> definitely the world of of microbes I feel like the science and how we approach it just changes so fast and there's always new techniques to learn and yeah. new things we learn. Like I was especially thinking about, you know, you're talking about putting these different species or different strains of fungi together and they work differently than either of them do alone. And mm -hmm. um, I studied the gut microbiome and we're finding that's very much true of, of bacteria in the gut too. Just like so Whoa. much we don't know about microbial interactions, um, which was I guess you were, uh, for your masters, were looking at fungal interactions or differences, I guess, yeah. as well? Yeah, so in this case, it's not like yeast in general. It's about darkcidia and grasses mm. in a specific. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that masters, you continued with your honors thesis advisor in at Western Illinois. Yeah. But big move, I mean, compared to like doing, I don't know, a couple months for an honors thesis versus deciding to do like a two to three year <laughs> masters. Yeah. It was fun and it gave me time to see the different options of things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, there are some experiments that I did that they were kind of like small, so they I don't think they will make it like to the papers. They might be just like a paragraph mm -hmm. out of a paper. But it's really nice to get to know that well, um, a fungus. <laughs> <laughs> and and so then what what is it that... Um, I guess what was the the link or like how did you decide to come to OSU? Like... What was the particular, was there a particular reason? Yeah. So when I was about in 2019, um, I knew that I, like that December, I had to apply to the programs mm -hmm. for fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Andrea, uh, do you have any suggestions like of people that I could reach out that work with fungi? And she's like, sure. So she sent me like a huge list. Um, <laughs> I still have the list on my email. And, <laughs> and there was like a bunch of people and I kind of like went and Googled them and checked their website. And I was like, okay, this seems something that I would like to work on or not. Um, and eventually I um, end up seeing that Posey was on that list. And I looked her um, on the web and I like the research that she was doing here at OSU. And that's Posey Busby, uh, Busby yeah. your advisor here. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I think it's so neat that like your research from like your master's to your PhD is almost coming full circle because if I if I understood the plant pathology correctly, you looked at endophytes of the roots for your master's and now you're doing endophytes of the leaves, yep. right? <laughs> like the whole plant. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And um, sorry, we kind of breezed over your master's a little bit, but is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on about the, the Darkcedia um, and the grasses? Or? Uh, the description of the new species is almost out. Yeah, it's almost out. Like I, I, the, the reviewers get back to us and it's like, just make the abstract smaller. Uh, there was, was other stuff, but right now it's just like, make the abstract shorter. <laughs> so I have to oh, do that. It's that's, fun. That's almost like yeah. one of the most challenging things <laughs> to do. I say to listeners who, are, who haven't had to write an abstract, that, may, that might sound easy. Yeah, like, oh, cut <laughs> a few words. very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you have to choose carefully what words to cut. <laughs> very carefully. Well, first it's usually the these and the uhs, yeah, but you've yeah. maybe already done that. So I don't know. 
I still have to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, you're oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Like, I just have to make that change, and it should be good to go. Oh, that's, that's awesome! So Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Gosh, yeah, getting getting like an maybe not an easy review, but like a gentle. Well, there was other stuff, but oh, we made okay, those changes. Okay. Um, we made those changes, and then they were like. These are like the final, final things. Yeah. Get, yeah. Getting to that point is exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I guess so Western Illinois, Corvallis, Oregon, quite different, but maybe also similarities. Yeah. I, I think that there are definitely some similarities that the, the, the environment of college sports, I think that it's something <laughs> That it's similar across the U.S. Yes, <laughs> it's not something that I had back home, so it's something uh, very interesting to kind of like experience. Right, you were saying in Costa Rica, like people, you don't go to co- to college for a sport, like no. on a scholarship. It's like people don't yeah. really care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think that there are scholarships for sports, but that's because you're interested in that. Okay, but I think that it's very unlikely that you will make a career. Like mm. a sports right. career after that, big yeah. difference, especially from a, a school like OSU that has such a focus. It feels like on football, mm-hmm. especially. Ah, oh, yes, those football Oops. universities. <laughs> 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 um, but so far, you're. I mean, yeah, I guess you moved here in the in a pandemic time, but you feel like you've. I don't know, like it here assimilated yeah. well. Yeah, there's definitely more stuff to do here. Than Western Um, Illinois. Yeah, (laughs) especially the city, um, because Macomb is very small. Um, There's only two ways to, you know, I don't want to say get out, but, you know, (laughs) if you want to go out of Macomb, like you need a car or the train. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, which a car, not every international student doesn't necessarily have that when they come to the U.S. Or even every U.S. student, yeah. Yeah, and the trains were very infrequent, so (laughs) it's nice to, you know, be in a place that has a little bit more stuff and more options. And the airport is closed. So that's that's true. Two airports are closed, Eugene and Portland, technically, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, much closer than (laughs) than Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, So you told us during the pre-interview about your Instagram. Yes. Mm. That um, you, I guess, post about your fungi and paint watercolor paintings as well. Yeah. So are those, you do those yourself? You're yeah. Like, so it? it started just um, as a space for me to just be like, oh, I, I did this watercolor, who knows when. Um, and it's just kind of, or it started as a place where I could keep track of them. Mm. Um but then sometimes it's difficult. I'll call my mom and be like, hi, Ma, I did like all of these. And sometimes it's very difficult, I think, for her to understand what I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing like videos of the greenhouse experiments in order for her to have a better idea of what I'm actually doing. That's awesome. Oh, cool. So it kind of serves as like a, a science communication tool. To yeah, kind of explain your research. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah. what is your what is your handle? Uh, funky brush, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's a combination of your two passions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 
added bonus to anyone who wants to, I guess, see in action how Maho conducts her research. It's also in Spanish. So you get mm -hmm. like a two in one learn Spanish and learn about fungi research yeah. in one video. Yeah. And some <laughs> awesome art. <laughs> yeah. And probably hear a bunch of music, especially on the backgrounds and sometimes Spanish music, I think so. That's oh, what's cool. better than that. Do you put that in the videos or do you get to like play music while you work in the greenhouse? Um, both. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I just don't necessarily like to put music too loud because there's people around oh, okay, um, okay. and I don't know if they'll like the music or not or just be, you know, bothered by it. Mm. So um, when I, I do the recordings of the videos and then like I just put the music on Instagram. Okay, mm, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> Cool. Well, Maho, this has been a really fun interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. But before we say goodbye, as you know, um, uh, since you're an avid ID listener, we have two traditions. The mm -hmm. first is that you give a piece of advice mm -hmm. to whomever you choose. Um, so who is your advice for and what is it? Um, I think that just generally, I would say that it's focused like for grad school, grad students in general, but I think that for anyone who is like in a new place or in a new job, I think that um, one of the advices that I have to constantly remind myself is that um, I have to build my own community, um, especially as an international student and being so far away from home. Mm -hmm. um, I Like, sure, I can uh, FaceTime them or something like that, but um, I think that building the community and the people that will be there to support you and be there for you, it's super important. And then um, the other thing is to just have fun doing research. I think that sometimes I just get so stressed out mm. by, oh, I have to do this and having fun doing the research is sometimes lost, but probably yeah. that. That's great advice. Yeah. I think all of us get stressed out at some points, but at the end of the day, it's pretty cool to mm -hmm. get paid to just do, do science, what we do, do yeah. research. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the thing with grad students, or even if you're like an undergrad doing research, is that sometimes we get so in the weeds of like, oh my gosh, my code isn't running, yeah. or <laughs> why did all my plans my p -value die? Is not or, <laughs> yeah, my p value isn't under zero point zero five. <laughs> but yeah, take a, when that happens, take a step back and mm -hmm. just have fun. Yep, that's awesome advice. I like it a lot. And then our other tradition is you get to choose your outro song. So mm -hmm. tell us what song you chose and why you chose it. Um, the song that I chose is called Hasta la Raiz by Natalia Furcade. She's a Mexican singer. Um, and I just, I had a very difficult time choosing which song. And at the end, I chose that one because I really like the song uh, and it reminds me a lot of home. So that's kind of why. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Here we go. I'm not going to try to pronounce the artist's name because it's quite difficult, but hasta la raiz. Here we yep. go. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KBVRID. This theme music was performed by the OSU Drumline and the intro jingle was created by Olin Hamat. Special thanks to the supporting staff at KBVR that allow the show and podcast to be possible. 
This show was started by Jean Kamvar and Joey Hulbert in 2012. To learn about our current hosts, other graduate students at Oregon State, or if you want to be part of the show, visit our website at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. Thanks again for listening and stay curious, my friends. <laughs>